Seasons of joy take little effort to appreciate. Seasons of suffering are heavy and full of struggle, but help you find what gives you endurance. Endurance teaches patience and leads to, to a strong spirit, and spirit produces hope. Welcome to Under the Call of MS, episode 40. That was just a little insert from Brother Nash, the graphic novel I, trade paperback that I reviewed last episode. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about something that some of the other members have been mentioning from my other podcast. Uh, I did not expect it to be what it was. It's when I first originally seen it, I seen the name Giant Days, and I thought basically a book about giants. Well, these people are giants in their hearts and minds, but other than that, they're normal, regular people. But this is Giant Days, Volume One. I'm not sure, I may have got this from the the final comic book purge sale that they had. I don't, or my wife may have ordered it for me somewhere else. But. Susan, Esther, Ether, <laughs> and Daisy started at university three weeks ago and became fast friends. Now, away from home for the first time, all three want to reinvent themselves but in the face of hand-wringing boys. Personal experimentation, influenza, mystery mold, new chauvinism, and the willful, unwanted intrusion of academia. They may be lucky just to make it to spring alive. Going off to university is always a time of change and growth. But for Esther, Ether, I can't say that name today, Susan and Daisy, things are about to get a little weird. Uh, it's created and written by John Allison from Bad Machinery, Scary Go Round, and Disney artist Lisa Treeman. It collects the first four issues of the critically acclaimed series. This was very interesting. It, it pulled me in, which was weird. I did not expect a book about a few college girls and what's going on in their life without any weird superpowers or something like that. Didn't I did not expect it to pull me in the way it did, but it grabs you. It's a fun read. I kept putting it down, picking it right back up. And I think I finished off within within just a couple hours. But yeah, it was it was enjoyable. There's a good good mix of characters in here. It makes it fun and interesting. Not too much controversy and stuff. Uh, just basically watch them struggling with boys' life, drugs college 
all the things that come with it. And it's a great group of friends. I get together, and I, the more and more I've heard about this, from other members in the group, I'm like, well, I got to check this out eventually. And I'm not sure how many issues they're up to, how far the series has gone. I, I believe it's been going for a while. But I mean, for this being the first four issues, it's... Definitely grabs you in a good way and keeps you connected to it. And you like it. Pretty much any normal person would like all the characters that they represent in here. But yeah, that was a fun and interesting college romp. And I want to get a little, some more of it, see where it goes. Hopefully. Won't get too controversial and stay stay with that little bit of humor it gives you. And the artwork's nice. Nice, good, quick, easy read. Yeah. Check that out. If you're new or getting ready to go to college or if you've already been through the nightmare of college, yeah, it can be quite the experience. So you, I never went to a big college or anything like that. I ended up going off to a tech school. I went to the Motorcycle Banks Institute with a couple friends, and that just became controversial. One friend gets his girlfriend knocked up. The other one, we all came back for the holidays, and I'll get back down there, and I was the only one smart enough to leave my rent money there, so we ended up getting kicked out of the apartment. The uh, Two that got pregnant, they ended up moving back home, and the other one went off, and I kind of figured out why he wasn't too worried about leaving his rent around, because he had a friend of his that instantly took him in, so he had a place to live, and that's when I had my first experience living on the streets in Phoenix, Arizona. Spent a few months living on the streets. I was still working, and so I... Worked for fast food restaurants and stuff like that. And, but when you're full-time student, part-time doing jobs, I worked for telemarketing companies. Uh, sadly, made me not want to donate to people anymore because I worked for one place that I thought was the Red Cross style type thing. and here we we're selling fire extinguishers for outrageous amounts and all that stuff and we deliver them and i don't know where they are getting these things and it just ended up being some type of scam down the road that we didn't know about and i worked for another company that we'd call up and promise people a cut rate on their credit cards and stuff they'd give us i think it was 60 dollars for each one and all we do is uh, all the company would do apparently was send them a piece of paper explaining what you could do to try and get your credit lowered and get the credit amounts lowered and help you with your payments and all that. So it was just a big scam, but one day all of a sudden the doors got kicked in and we had the feds come in, the state police, the postmaster general and all that. They had all, 
all kinds of different heads of authorities come in just drop your phones move away from your desk take your headsets off and all of a sudden you see them all and off the head guy is some other people in handcuffs and they let us go and all of a sudden uh, a couple days later some of us people that were the top salesmen we all got phone calls <clears throat> they were setting up their next spot and they were looking for employees right away basically the assistant manager takes over once the manager goes to jail and they do it again until they get hit again and then they go to jail and the experts underneath them takes over is a sad thing to learn but that's pretty much what what arizona is at least the phoenix area if you want a job 90 percent of jobs you're going to find at least back then were telemarketing style jobs i worked for winona research that was a legit company but you basically call people and do a little research survey and get paid for them and a lot of us would basically call our friends and family back home and have them do the survey so we get to talk to them for free and stuff because back then in those days didn't have cell phones with unlimited calling potential and stuff like that you actually had to pay for long distance calls and use phone booths and stuff like that but uh lost my train of thought what took me to arizona for oh yeah schooling yeah as i went to the motorcycle mechanics institute ended up on the streets for a few months and living out of dumpsters all that met some interesting people on the streets and that kind of show you how to find food in dumpsters i had one girl that i was still smoking cigarettes back at that time and she taught me of a place that every now and then they'd throw out the outdated cigarettes so we'd get curtains of cigarettes for free we'd go to a couple electronics place radio shacks and stuff like that they'd throw out electronics that were brought back with defects and take them out of there and be something simple to fix and fix it up and sell them on the streets and make a few bucks here and there. It's like, I walked past cars and seen purses and thought about breaking windows and vandalizing stuff, but I never went that far. But when you don't eat for a few days and you're living on, I, it, it worked out good in Arizona because in Arizona there's unlimited grapefruit and orange trees all over the place. And these grapefruits are just, so sweet and beautiful it's candy and just they do not have that bitter grapefruit flavor to them and uh so you'd see those trees and you sneak into people's yards grab a couple and at least you'd have something like that three four five in the morning i'd sneak into some people's backyards that i seen had a garden hose out back and i'd do the whole whore's bath with the ice cold garden hose water or sadly i i can admit it i i did bathe in uh village water systems and stuff because it was hard to get the lakes and rivers when you're in arizona you gotta go way out into the desert to find some water and uh which yeah I, when i could i'd get out to those places too and you bathe where you can. Yeah, try and find places that you can sneak in to get into a bathroom stuff. Uh, down there, no matter where I lived, I always kept a post office box. I'd always pay a few months at a crack, keeping it going, because it was nice. Because once in a, once a month or two, if you have kids and they're away from home, 
send care packages. I, I never told them I was on the streets. I was, I had too much pride to tell anybody anything. I just lived my life the way I lived it. Suffered through and dealt with things my own way. But uh, I knew once every couple of months or so, I'd get a big box from the family and would have random munchies in there, a letter, some oddball uh, health supplies or whatever, maybe a reading material or something, a book or something, a puzzle or something to keep you busy. Then usually at least like 20 bucks. And so you're, Always waiting for that because you're guaranteed you got something to eat, you got something to do, and you got a little cash in your pocket if you need it. And like I said, I was still working, but it's like working part-time at Taco Bell. I was able to take the throwaway food home at night or stuff. I had a great manager at the at the time that he'd sit there and throw things my way and stuff. And then eventually a friend of mine from the school found out about me on the streets and found me one day, beat the crap out of me, slapped some sense into me, threw me in his truck, took me home and made me stay on his couch until I got back on my feet. Getting a little touched up here talking about it. But yeah, it sucks. You're alone. You're a kid. In the middle of nowhere. Don't know what's going to happen. You got no one to really fall back, fall back on. See it right now with a nephew of mine that went to the military and stubborn little shit decided to stay in California and live on the streets and stuff. And he's sadly his family members aren't going after him and stuff. And I've told his oldest brother that it's, it's your responsibility. You know that he's on the streets and stuff. Get your ass down there. Knock some sense into him and drag him home. That's what should be done. I said, give me give me the cash to do it. I'll go find the guy and bring him home. I don't care. I had nothing else to do. I could fly down and wander around the beach. But, uh, yeah, if you have children off to college and stuff or wherever, Send them those little care package. Send them a letter once in a while. It's like, you'd be amazed what it does. You have no concept what they're going through. Could have no problems. Could have lots of problems. But your kid, your responsibility, look out for them. Something everybody should do. Well, yeah, I finished off my schooling. Got all my certifications and then get the hell out of Arizona and it wasn't a bad thing. It was, I just had lots of jobs. I, you know, I was a janitor for the AT&T building. I was a janitor for Target. As I had at least a half a dozen different telemarketing jobs. I, I worked with a great guy also named Kevin that, when I found that job, that was after I got back on my feet. But uh, he basically bought old houses, and we'd remodel them, and then he'd resell them. And it was just me and him, and we did everything. And it's like, that's where I learned a lot of my construction background. Uh, 
because you had no choice because some of the houses he bought, <laughs> we basically built, rebuilt back up from the ground up by the time we were done replacing everything. But, uh, and then like when I was, got back on my feet at first, I got into a little apartment complex that also had a trailer homes and stuff like that hookups <clears throat> so it had like 10 apartments up front and then the whole back area was all campers and stuff and surprisingly the manager was a lady that was an older lady that was from Beaverdam, wisconsin and uh, she was divorced from her husband and stuff and she got me side jobs uh doing work at her husband's house doing landscaping and stuff like that for him and then i met his daughter which was my age and stuff and along really well and uh just weird how it all works out but then i she gave me a job working at the uh, house the apartments where i was living and i'd take care of all the trailers and stuff and anytime something went wrong with the plumbing i'd have to crawl into the hole in the ground underneath all the campers and fix all that and it's like the cockroach issues down there you, first apartment we had you open up a cupboard and there's like a 12 inch cockroach that goes running across there it's like we instantly put everything that wasn't in a can or a sealed container ended up all in our fridge and freezer because we weren't about to leave any food out that was open uh it's just the apartment complex I worked for, we'd come in, we'd have an exterminator come in. We're a roach prowl, and you'd op I'd open up cupboards after people moved out, and there'd be a whole nest of them that would just explode once the light hit them. Cockroaches of all, all kinds of colors and stuff that you've never seen before, ones that you swear would glow in a black light. But they'd come and bomb the place, and what would the cockroaches do? They'd just go right down the road, right to the next apartment, then the next apartment, the next apartment. So, you have to constantly come in and spray from building to building. But yeah, that's go for those your kids if they're in college and a lot of them are stubborn and want to go far away from home for the first experience, but it's a scary world out there. You never know what you're gonna come across. That was my first experience. Living on the street and many more in the future, but Speaking of schooling, you'll get into kids will get into certain things like like drugs and stuff like that. But in some way, drugs can be good for us. It's like for us people with MS, it's people with MS use cannabis mostly for spasticity. And researchers and researchers in the Department of Neurology, Oregon Health and Science University. And the Portland VA healthcare system conducted a cross-sectional analysis of self-reported patterns of cannabis use and perceived benefits for MS symptoms. And topical use was the most popular route of administration. Most respondents used cannabis at least once a day. Current users noted that cannabis was somewhat to very helpful for pain and spasticity. The researchers discussed a possible reason for the high use of topical cannabis may be due to spasticity being a localized mus musculoskeletal symptom. 
This study may be the first to study cannabis use patterns, but the authors note there is a need for further research to study the effects of cannabis may have on prescription medications. Cannabis, marijuana, CBD, THC, and cannabinoids. While the terms can be confusing, this uh, this study finds that 30%, 36% of people with MS are currently using cannabis to help manage MS symptoms. Of those using it, 79% reported cannabis to be helpful for their spasticity. Cannabis includes both marijuana and hemp. Hemp-based CBD products are legal in all 50 states. By law, these products may contain no more than 0.3% THC and typically have no psychoactive effects. Uh, as far as the CBDs go, I've had no luck with the regular CBDs, stuff that has 0.3%. That's helped a little bit, but the full tinctures and stuff are the, like the one-to-one and stuff like that are the ones that actually do actually have helped me at least when I could get my hands on them. But I'm in a state that we don't have that access, but we are hearing that by the end of the year, we're supposed to have at least for multiple sclerosis, the one-to-one CBD THC, <clears throat> some type of, I don't know if it's going to be a tincture or what, or a pill or a, appointment or what it's going to be but uh, I'm waiting to hear more and I will let you know more about it when I do find out about it the hemp-based CBD by mouth may help with sleep and, and anxiety but does not typically help as much with spasms or pain in MS as the one that has THC based marijuana based products will contain higher amounts of THC and may be effective in managing spasticity Central neuropathic pain and urinary frequency frequency and urgency. Studies on an FDA-approved, well, here's that, one-to-one CBD-THC sublingual spray for MS spasticity should be started by years. And until then, people with MS will need to look at their state's laws to see what is allowed and available. But check out. It's finally getting... I think we're up to like 30 some states now in the, we live in the United States, but yet every state has to be all independent. We can't work together and equally help each other out. But even though we've had, it's been out there for years, it's been a while since Colorado and stuff started it and there's still, still no issues with it, but yet they still won't put it out. Zero deaths. Let's push those opioids. All right, let's look at supplements and multiple sclerosis, other supplements and stuff. Yet, broad term that can include both herbs or vitamins, minerals. These products are generally taken orally by mouth in a pill capsule, tincture, spray, etc., but are sometimes used in lotions or other forms. Some supplements, such as vitamin D or B12, may be recommended by our doctors. Others may not be safe for someone with MS. I'm finding out I didn't realize that the immunity boosters I was on, I shouldn't have been on. Gradually learning these things and having this podcast is helping because it's helped me learn things myself. We're learning together here as we go. 
uh, immune boosters, people with the condition understand better than anyone that MS is a complicated disease that affects both the immune and nervous systems. People with MS have an upregulated or overactive immune system. This is opposite from the suppressed immune system in cancer or HIV patients. Therefore, the general rule of thumb for, for alternative medicine and MS is to avoid therapies that enhance or upregulate the immune system. The alternative medications listed below pose potential risks for patients with MS because of their immune-stimulating properties. Uh, things like alfalfa, euthanasia, ginseng, Siberian ginseng. Uh, green tea, arnica, which I've never heard of, garlic supplements, golden seal, licorice, which I heard was really good, and that licorice root, but now I know it's bad, and I was searching for it, which I haven't found it yet. Cat's claw, Asian ginseng, grapeseed extract, saw palmetto, palmetto. Uh, other things you may want to watch out with with MS. Of our immune system being boosted. Uh, while taking the recommended daily allowance of vitamins generally do not pose significant risks, it is best to avoid high doses of vitamin A, vitamin C, beta carotene, and zinc in patients with MS as they can stimulate the immune system, which I now I know I was getting magnesium with zinc. Now I went back to the regular magnesium, which I can't wait to get back in my system because I have been off it for a week because of this colonoscopy thing. I went off all my oddball medications. You just stuck with the doctor-recommended medications. And my cramps are severe and back in a rage. It's like I'm lucky if I go a half hour without having to jump out of bed and Arms cramping, legs cramping, it's just, it's insane. But recent data has suggested vitamin D, ginkgo biloba, and biotin may provide potential benefits, but drug interactions, proper dosage, and effect on disease progression are important considerations to discuss with the doctor before self-starting. Evidence suggests that generally a low-fat diet with omega-3 fatty acids, fish oil, probably does not help lessen MS relapses. And the same holds true for a high-fat diet, ketogenic diet, which I, the fish oils I started going big time on, and I was going to go all keto for a while, but I'm going to stick with my plan and just try it. If it makes me feel better, I'll put it on the list, and once I go through everything, I'll build myself a diet that I, and a lifestyle that I can enjoy and live with, and it actually helps certain things. The modern buzz about cannabis products, including the use of CBD oil as a supplement, has created great interest in patients with MS. Cannabis can provide many benefits to patients, but important precautions such as notifying MS providers should be taken. You know, every one of my doctors said, if you can get your hand on it, hand on any of it, get your hands on it, and but they can't give me any type of prescription or anything because Wisconsin state law is totally against it. I think probably three quarters of the people in our prison system are in there for us less than a few grams of marijuana. Lives are ruined for 
drug that's never killed anybody. But yet we got heroin addicts all over the place just dying and they ain't doing shit about that. Opioid addicts. But five principles every person with MS should know. One, have an open and resourceful relationship with your doctor about all medications you take, conventional and unconventional. Don't be afraid to tell them what you're on. I don't care what the laws are. I let my doctors know everything. Two, recognize alternative medications that can upregulate the immune system and avoid their use. Uh, three, realize that information you read in print or on the internet may or may not be correct. Four, anything that has positive effect on the body can also have negative effect on the body. And five, just because an alternative medicine has scientific evidence to back up its claims does not mean that controlled clinical trials have proven its proper use, dosage, and contraindictions. But, uh, yeah, be safe out there with whatever you try. Make sure it works for you and is for your system. Talk to your doctors about it, but other than that, running out of time, so we'll talk again soon. Have a great day.